Welcome to the Make Money Behave podcast, where we talk about your money, your circumstances, and the small changes in your behavior that will have a big impact on both. My name is Maria Casillas, and I am honored to be your host. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode two of the Make Money Behave podcast. If you have not yet listened to episode one, I encourage you to go back and do so, so that it can provide a little bit of a foundation for you for the stuff we're going to be talking about today. If you have already listened to episode one and you're back for more, thank you. I'm so glad that whatever it was that I shared with you last time was enough to pique your interest and say, you know what? I think I might actually be able to gain something from that and learn more. So I'm so thrilled that you are back for more. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about taking control back. Now, why would I talk about that? Well, in episode one, I told you a little bit about our story and how we had found ourselves did you catch it? How we had walked ourselves into uh, about $92,000 worth of debt and that the most common question I receive is, how on earth did you get out of that? What was the first thing that you had to do? And as I mentioned in episode one, the first thing that we had to do was to recognize that money was controlling us. And then, of course, we had to find a way to take that control back. That is so much easier said than done. I know that. And it's a huge process and it's going to take a long time, but it's worth it. So I want to talk to you today about what is that first thing that you need to do in order to take that control back? Well, one of the first things you need to do is figure out who are you giving that control to? So we're going to talk about who is on your money advisory board. But before I go into ways for you to identify who is on your advisory board, and maybe even a few tips on how to fire them, I want to share with you a scene from a movie. Now, if you continue to listen to this podcast, I think you might realize that watching movies is one of our favorite pastimes, and so I tend to find lots of references in movies. Some of them you may have seen, some of them maybe not, but just bear with me. I think they're kind of fun references. So if you have not seen the movie Hitch, you don't know what the overall plot is. I'm going to share that with you so you understand why this scene is important. In a nutshell, Hitch, who is played by Will Smith, has been hired to help Albert Brenneman, who is played by Kevin James to impress the woman who is in charge of the firm he works for because he's got a huge crush on her. And one of the things that Hitch explains to Albert that he has to do in order to be noticed is to stand out among the crowd. If you've seen the movie, you know that Albert is a little bit clumsy and awkward, but in an endearing way. And he accidentally ends up standing out while they are in their board meeting. So if you can picture a really large table with a bunch of grown men sitting around it and then young Allegra Cole sitting at the head of that table and she's looking at her papers, I'm assuming her reports, her annual reports, and she looks at all of the men and says, well, it looks like I'm still rich. And they all kind of chuckle underneath their breath. But then she gets a little bit more serious and she says that there is a designer friend of hers that she really, really admires and she would love to be able to invest some of her money into this designer's new business. Well, all of the men around the table, they kind of balk at that idea and say that it's not a great idea, it's not a solid investment, and they really think that she should give them a chance to show her some other investments that she might want to go with. Well... While this wasn't how he planned it, this is Elbert's chance to stand out. Elbert stands up and says something to the effect of, Ms. Cole, this is your money. Why don't you invest in the things that are important to you? Why do you need a bunch of us to tell you where to put that money? 
That line is exactly what I want to drive home to you today. I don't care if you make $30,000 a year or $30,000 a month. This is your money. Why are you allowing other people to tell you what to do with it? But if you came across this podcast because you're struggling with your finances right now, you might be thinking, wait a minute, I do need someone to tell me what to do with my money because clearly I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And I would actually argue with you just for a second. I'm probably going to guess that you're not really doing what you want to do with your money. And that is why you're in the mess that you're in. So we will definitely talk a little bit later today about how to put into place some of the people who will help hold you accountable to the things that you actually want to do. But before we do that, let's identify who is on your advisory board right now. I want you to picture for a second you sitting at the head of your boardroom table. And instead of looking through your annual reports, as Miss Cole did, I want you to picture yourself looking through your stack of credit card bills. I want you to picture looking at a checkbook register, at the list of overdraft fee notices. And instead of looking at your board members and saying, well, it looks like I'm still rich, chances are you're feeling quite overwhelmed. And you're saying, oh my gosh, there's no way I'm ever going to get out of this mess. Now I want you to picture who is sitting around that table with you and telling you where to put your money. I don't know about your situation, but I can tell you who was sitting at my boardroom table. To my immediate left was American Express. Directly beyond them, Chase. Next to them, Citibank. Next to them, Student Loans. So far, you might be thinking, oh, that's a hell of an advisory board, dear. <laughs> and I would say, yep. <laughs> <laughs> that's where I went wrong. You see, on that first side of the table was all of my creditors. Because I had chosen immediate gratification over the idea of actually saving up money, I put myself into a position of letting my creditors tell me where my money was going to go. Now that might sound a little bit crazy to you, but let me ask you this question. If you had to sit down every time you got a paycheck and someone said to you, would you like to voluntarily write a check to person A for $50 this month? You might look at us and go, what? No, I'm not going to write a check to that person for $50. I don't even agree with what they do. That's essentially what we do when we go into debt and we're paying our creditors a bunch of interest. We're basically saying, thank you for letting me use your money and now let me give you a whole bunch of my money back, even though that's not where I would spend it if I had the choice. Sitting directly across the table from me was social media. How often do we get sucked into this idea that we're going to live up to the expectations of the people who live miles and miles and miles, thousands of miles away from us? They're posting beautiful pictures of themselves in the beaches of Hawaii, and they're taking wonderful pictures of their cute little cars and their names. The whole idea of keeping up with the Joneses used to seriously mean that the Joneses lived next door and that you were trying to keep up with your next door neighbors. Now with social media, we find ourselves trying to keep up with everyone that we see all around us. And you know, the crazy thing is, if you're living next door to someone, you actually see their trash too, right? All you're seeing on social media is the pretty stuff. And to my right at the boardroom table were all of the messages of need. You need this in your life. You deserve to have this. Buy this newest, latest gadget and your life will be changed forever. 
You see, if you don't choose your advisory board wisely, you're going to forever be taking advice from creditors who want your money, social media who you can't live up to, and salespeople. It's time for you to take control back. It's time to fire some board members. So who do we fire first? I say let's go for the weakest link, the easy win. Let's gain some leverage in our plan by firing someone who's actually costing us money. So that's going to be someone from the left-hand side of the table, one of your creditors. And because I believe so strongly in the psychology of a quick win, let's go with the creditor who has the smallest balance. This could be a silly little credit card from Kohl's or from Home Depot. This pesky little credit card isn't even costing you much in interest. So mathematically, we might go, why would we choose that one? Well, because I'm not all about the math. I'm about the psychology. And I know from personal experience that sometimes having way too many balls in the air almost guarantees that I'm going to drop the ball. I remember when I had seven different credit cards, the balances weren't even that high, but that were seven different bills that I had to make sure I paid on time every single month. I remember like it was yesterday, a time when I had a stupid little $50 charge and I forgot to pay the dumb bill and I got a $35 late fee. So let's save yourself the hassle of having to remember more than you really need to remember. Let's get rid of that pesky little creditor and make room for a positive advisory board member. So how do you choose? How do you know who to put into those seats instead? Well, I think the first step is to actually figure out what it is that you want to do with your money. It's time to start dreaming again. And I don't mean those frivolous dreams of I need to have that million dollar mansion or, you know, if I could just drive the coolest car ever. I'm talking about what impact do you want to make on this world? If money were no object, what would you do, not what would you have? But what would you do to create an impact? And now I want you to share that dream with one trusted person. This person should be someone who loves you enough to hold you accountable, but is unbiased enough to not stand in your way. But don't stop there. Don't just tell them about the impact that you would like to make. Have them sit with you and look at your current financial situation. They're not in the thick of things, so they're probably able to see patterns of spending and or self-sabotage that you're not really able to recognize. So that's it. Those are the first steps to taking control back and starting to make your money behave. Identify who you've been giving control to over the past few years and get ready to give some of them the boot. Then decide the impact you would make if money were no object. Then find somebody who will help you see how you're standing in your way of making that impact simply because you're not making your money behave the way you know you need to. I hope that helps. I know it can seem overwhelming. Just remember that this change is not going to happen overnight. It didn't for me and it's not going to for you. But taking these very small steps will indeed help you take control back. That I promise. I'd like to again thank you for listening today and remind you that my goal is to get this message out to as many people as possible. So if you could hit subscribe and share this podcast with others who you think might benefit from it, I would so appreciate that. If you love what you've heard so far, leave me a five-star rating. If you don't like what you've heard so far, I'm open to other star ratings too. I really want to make this show valuable for you, the listener, so your feedback is more than welcome. Until next time, thanks for joining.